Glory. Good to see you all. Good to be with you. Good to have you joining us from your homes this morning over live stream as well. Joshua chapter 11 this morning. While you're turning there, let me say these few words. What is happening in the world today is driving many Christians to their knees in prayer, and that's a good thing. But let me remind you of this. We as Christians are encouraged in the word, in fact, even commanded in the word of God to never set our hope on anything of earth or anything in this world. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.13, we are to set our hope completely, not even partially, completely on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, be careful, Christians. Don't become discouraged or disillusioned or get yourself in a bad headspace because somehow you're putting your hope in something of earth, something that you're looking for to happen here. No, God says set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you the day that you see Jesus Christ. That's where our hope is, completely in that. And God's even been moving in me to uh, do something, either a seminar on a Saturday maybe, or a, uh, just a message on the prophetic promises that God gives his people that we are to set our hope on. So be praying with me about that, because certainly I think it's a timely thing. Joshua chapter 11, we are continuing in our study of the book of Joshua. This is a book all about a group of people, the nation of Israel, moving forward in their life with God, getting all that God planned and purposed for them. Now, the principles that we are learning corporately also can be applied to us personally. There's really not anything that we're learning about the Israelites that not only can be applied to us as a local church and how God wants to move groups of people forward with him, but how God works in our life as well. And we're going to see that again today. Today, Joshua and the Israelites are going to face their greatest foe, the biggest armies that they have ever faced up to this point. You see, in chapter 10, through God, they had conquered many of the Amorite kings and kingdoms. But now an even greater force is assembling against them. They are the Canaanites. And God is going to use his people to break the power of the Canaanites. Let's look at this, beginning in chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, when King Jabin of Hazor heard the news, he organized a coalition, including all of these kings. Notice in verse 3, Canaanites came from the east and the West. Notice, this grouping of 
Canaanites, all these kings and kingdoms were more numerous, verse 4, as the sand was on the seashore. Sort of reminds you of God's promise to Abraham. I'll make your descendants like the stars in heaven or like the grains of sand on the seashore. Well, this coalition of forces against Israel, the Bible says, was greater than the sands on the seashore. They came from everywhere. Now, a couple of things. Notice, first of all, that this king that spearheaded this attack against Israel was moved again by what he heard. That's important. We have seen throughout our study of Joshua that people, whether they're the people of God or not the people of God, we are always moving in response to what we hear. Therefore, it is up to us, the people of God, to make sure that the primary voice, the voice of greatest influence, the voice that carries the most weight in our life always needs to be the voice of God. There are so many voices speaking into our lives every day in this world today, especially through our technology. We need to make sure that the primary voice that is getting through to us all the time and the voice that we are moving to is the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Are we hearing the voice of our God above all other voices? And we'll come back to that in just a moment. I want to point this out. If you keep on reading in verse 4, you'll also notice this. The Canaanites were the first to come against Israel with horses and chariots. This would be the first time, not, not only the greatest force, the biggest force that Joshua and the Israelites would face, this was, always the, this was also the first time that Joshua and the Israelites would face horses and chariots. It reminds me of Psalm 20, verse 7, where the psalmist writes, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the Lord our God. The first thing I want to point out is this. And you and I as God's people, corporately and individually, we need to let this truth sink down into our soul because it's something that we have to live out of every day. We've got to live out of this reality. And if we're not willing to do it, then we'll never experience all that God has for us. And it is this reality. Our enemies, just like Israel's enemies, will always be more numerous than us. They will always have more resources, earthly, worldly, than we do. They will always have more money and power, earthly, worldly, money and power, than we will. They will always be bigger than us. They will always appear greater than us. And you and I have to be okay with facing always an enemy that's more numerous, is more resourceful, bigger, greater than us. For this reason, 
God wants us to get to the place, both corporately and personally, where we truly embrace the truth of God above all others and the reality of God above all others to the point where, like Paul said to the Romans, if God is for us, or apply it first, if God is for me, then who can be against me? See, God wants us to operate out of that reality. There'll never be a time on earth where our enemies are not going to appear as bigger, greater, more resourceful, more powerful, all of that, then we're always going to be outnumbered. That's why God has to become the greatest, biggest thing in our life. So that we live out of that prism that we see God in all of his greatness and in all of his glory before we see anything else and before we move out. And we're going to come back to this a little bit later, but let's just use that very famous story in the Bible of that tiny little shepherd boy going up against the giant Goliath. How could the tiny little shepherd boy face such a big giant? Because he knew God was with him. And he knew that as long as God was with him, that the giant would fall. God wants to get all of that us into that headspace because our enemies will always appear as giants. And so many Christians have missed out on all that God has planned and purposed for them simply because we're not willing to face the greater forces because our faith isn't strong in the Lord. The, our vision of God is smaller than it should be, and therefore the more numerous armies that we may face, the, the bigger giants that we face, the more resourceful uh, opposition that we face will intimidate us and cause us to either stop dead in our tracks or retreat instead of moving forward. Well, the Israelites didn't stop or didn't retreat. For this very reason, notice then verse 6. The Lord spoke to Joshua and said, Don't be afraid of them, for about this time tomorrow I will cause all of them to lie dead before Israel. Even in the face of such overwhelming odds, all they needed to know was that God's presence would be with them. All they needed was one word from God because one word from God to his people should be more powerful than all the words of all the nations of the world and all the armies of the world assembled against us. The power of God's word literally energized God's people here. And they surged into battle. The Bible says in verse 7, Joshua and his whole army moved to the voice of God and caught them by surprise at the waters of Merom. Let's stop here because 
this is something we need to make sure that we make that connection with in our lives and even as a church. And it goes back to not just as God's people hearing the voice of God. That's where it begins. But then you see in this passage that the people of God, Joshua, not only recognized, oh, God's speaking to me, but he put greatest weight, if you will, on the words of God above all other. That he moved to the word of God because he knew that if God said it, that's all he needed. We just sung about that in the last song, my one, my all. One word rearranges everything. Rearranges everything. That was Joshua here. And, and I want to encourage us with that today. I, I don't know what other voices are speaking into your life right now that may be causing you discouragement and defeat and disillusionment and despair. I don't know whether it's your own voice and the things you're telling yourself, whether you're allowing the devil and all of his lies and all of his minions to speak into your life and that those voices are becoming more prominent and weighty than God's. I don't know whether it's people in the world or even fellow Christians or your friends, but I know this, whatever you and I struggle with, whatever challenge we are facing, whatever wall is up there, whatever opposition is against us that may be more numerous and bigger and more resourceful in us, it can all be conquered through one word from our God. If we give weight proper weight and importance and significance to what God is saying to us above everything else, then all the other voices won't matter. And that's exactly what we as God's people need to learn from this passage of Scripture today. It wasn't like Joshua was denying the reality of what he was facing. It wasn't like he pretended that the great army of the Canaanites wasn't before him. But he understood no matter what force was standing against him, if God was on their side, if they had God with them and they had God's word speaking over them and into them, that's all they needed. They literally were like, charge! Many years ago, I heard one of my mentors say, I want a group of people with me that are so energized by the presence and power of God that they're willing to charge hell with a bucket of water. In fact, Jesus sort of even implied that. When he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Many Christians don't even understand all that Jesus is saying there. He's literally saying, I'm okay with building my church right at the front gates of the enemy of darkness. Right at their strongest spot, right at the stronghold, because it doesn't matter. I'm God. I'm the Lord. I'm the King of kings and Lord of lords. I can put my church and my people right outside the very gates of hell itself, and I'm telling you, because I'm the one behind my church, it will prevail. And he wants his people to capture that, to get that 
truth. That, that's why Joshua and the Israelites at this time in history were more than conquerors. That's why they were able to overcome all the challenges and opposition and obstacles in their way. And that's the same way God wants his people to embrace him, his presence, and his truth in our life today. Just one word from you, God. I just need to hear from you. I need to know it's you. And when I do, I'm moving out because it doesn't matter what stands in my way. I know it can't stand in my way very long as long as you're there with me. It will be conquered it will be overcome notice down in verse 15 Joshua not only heard God speak to him directly at this point but we also learn here in verse 15 that much of what Joshua was doing was because he heard it first from Moses. Notice it says, Moses, the Lord's servant, passed on the Lord's commands to Joshua. And Joshua was doing just as he was told by Moses. He did not ignore any of the commands the Lord had given Moses. And the reason I want to point that out is that also shares uh, the dynamic that you have why God brings us together is that we can share truth with each other and, and share the words of God with each other. You know, sometimes God gives us a message just, just between us and him. But sometimes God is giving us messages that he wants not only us to embrace, but he wants us to share with others. Maybe it's a wide audience. Maybe it's just one other person. And Moses realized that as God was speaking to him, that one day Moses was not going to be the one to lead his people into the promised land. God told him that. But God said, Joshua will, and I need you to begin to pour into him. I, I need you to speak into his life because I'm going to be speaking to him at that point too, but I need you to share my commands too. And by the way, it's very important because you get the weight, right? These are commands, these weren't the Lord's suggestions. Like, well, if you feel like doing it, you know, or if you, if you agree with it, if you're all good with it, then no, commands. Even the word command speaks about the weight that it should have. And I say that because all of us need to sort of do some calculating in our own life of our worship of God. And, and what I mean by that is, again, worship is not just singing praises to the Lord. That's part of it. But worship is also giving weight to the word of God in my life. Properly respecting and reverencing God by not just hearing his voice, but then when hearing it, doing it, because it's not suggestions, they're commands. And I say that because many times we Christians are like, we pick and choose the commands of the Lord we want to follow, and the ones we don't, we sort of neglect or we ignore them. Well, that's improper worship. See, worship is acknowledging God and, and putting him in his rightful place, meaning, God, if you say it, I do it. I don't just hear it, I do it. Because you're not just suggesting this to me. You're saying this is a command. 
This is something you must do. And by not doing it, by neglecting it or ignoring it, we're basically saying, I don't really worship you, God. Because if I did truly worship you, I not only listen for your voice, but when you speak to me, I do what you're telling me to do. You see. I love it too. If you go back to verse 15, what greater honor and privilege than to be called the Lord's servant? I mean, Moses could have been called a lot of things, and I think, isn't that what we would all aspire to? Well done, good and faithful servant. Another thing I wrote down here is what are we passing on and leaving behind to others? Moses passed certain things on to Joshua. What are we passing on and leaving behind? What will be our legacy? What will we be remembered for? The key to Israel's victory was that they not only heard the voice of God, they moved based on the voice of God. They lived in partnership with God. As we've learned throughout our study of Joshua, when they partnered with God, they were victorious. When they didn't partner with God, they failed. Very simple principle, and yet one that every day we need to sort of renew ourselves to apply. Then look at verse 16. Joshua conquered the whole land, including the hill country. Then if you look over in verse 23, Joshua conquered the whole land just as the Lord had promised. The important principle to take away from this is this. Are you and I, like Joshua and the Israelites, fighting for all the possessions that God wants to give to us? Are we fighting, willing to fight, for all that God wants to give to us? As we've learned throughout the book of Joshua, God says, here's this wonderful promised land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give it to you. But you've got to be willing to do your part. You've got to put some skin in the game. You've got to be willing to fight at times for it and push out those enemies and conquer and overcome. And I say that because we know that the history of Israel is they weren't always in that space. They weren't always willing to fight for all that God had for them. They many times refused and they settled for less than what God wanted to give to them. I think even in my own life, oh, how often I have done that. I have settled for less than what God had for me. Or I wasn't willing at that moment, in that season, to fight for all that God had for me. You and I need to be willing to do that. And realize it's not going to be easy but it's going to be the most rewarding, fulfilling, spiritually satisfying thing you and I could be engaged with on this earth is being willing, like Joshua and the Israelites, to fight for everything God has for us. Not just part of the land that God wants to give us, but the whole land, like Joshua and the Israelites were going after in verse 16 and 23. And then notice this principle, verse 18. Joshua campaigned against these kings for quite some time. In fact, by my calculations, I think it was around seven years that this war kept going on or this campaign. What's that teach us? That teaches us that sometimes 
our battles, our struggles, can go on for a prolonged period of time, which then requires endurance on our part, tenacity, persistence, determination, resolve, to hang in there and to even ask God for that hang in there strength and stamina that we need at times. That's why the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us because it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. I don't know whether you've ever run a marathon or not. It's grueling. I mean, you hit walls. You, you just want to quit and give up, but you learn to run through the pain, if you will, and to keep on going. You learn when your body is telling you to quit and shut down. You, you, you just sort of go up to another level. And obviously, you train for that, right? And God wants to see his people get to that place where we're not just in it for the short term, but we, we display and express this endurance, this determination, this persistence. Listen, there's only one kind of person, only one, that God can't use. And you know what kind of person that is? The one who quits. The one who just gives up. That, but as long as you and I are not willing to quit and give up, oh my, God can work with us and God can use us. And there's so many Christians that over the centuries, since the start of the church 2,000 years ago now, just at some point in their life, just throw the white flag up and said, I'm done. God never wants his people to get there. No matter the struggle, no matter the opposition, no matter the challenge, God wants his people to learn through him and with him that we can be more than conquerors through him that loved us, that we can be overcomers, that nothing can stand in our way when God is with us and we allow his word to carry the greatest weight of any other voice in our life. And yes, there will be times where there will be those prolonged campaigns and we need that endurance. But here's the thing. God says, my grace is sufficient. So if God has us in a prolonged campaign, then God will be faithful to equip us and enable us to do whatever we need to do to hang in there and not quit. As long as we lean into God. As long as we lean into God. And then look at verse 21 and 22. I love this. And we even sang about this today, too. At that time, Joshua attacked and eliminated the Anakites. Verse 22, no Anakites were left in Israelite territory. The Anakites were the giants. They were the same giants that 40 years earlier, when they sent the spies in, they came back saying, oh, we can't go in there because they're giants in the land. Guess who's cutting down more giants? Joshua and the Israelites. Why? Because the giants are nothing compared to their God. They see God so big that now the giants seem small. See, before, God was small and the giants were big. 
Now God's big and the giants are small. And that's where God wants to get his people. Where again, we're seeing even the giants through the prism of God. And where we first see God in all of his greatness and bigness. So even the giants in our life are conquerable. Even the giants in our life are able to be overcome. Even the giants now appear small, maybe not to us, but to our God. Conquering the giants. You have any giants in your life right now? I want to encourage you, those giants can be destroyed. Those giants can, can, you can get victory over all those giants because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And your God makes all the giants put together look like nothing. Let God's voice be the primary voice in your life and let him bring victory into your life. And then look at verse 23. Joshua conquered the whole land just as the Lord had promised. Moses and he assigned Israel their tribal portions. Then the land was free of war. Literally in the Hebrew, the land was at rest. I want you to stay here with me. This is important, and we're going to build on this for just a few more moments. The land was at rest. The goal of God for his people, is that we be willing to partner with him and fight for all that he wants to give to us so that we will come to a place of rest in him. Now, let's also say this. The rest that Joshua was able to give to the people of God was a rest that was temporal, physical, and natural. It was a land. The, land uh, the, the rest that God gives to us today through our Lord Jesus Christ is eternal, spiritual, and supernatural. And that's why the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4 says, if Joshua was able to give the people of God their ultimate rest, then God would not have spoken about another rest. But then the author of Hebrews goes on to say, oh, but God has promised his people an ultimate rest. And you and I need to make every effort that we enter into that rest. How do we do that? Well, the rest of God is not being inactive. Just the opposite. There's going to be battles to fight and things that we've got to do. So the rest that God has for his people is not a rest of inactivity, just the opposite. It's a rest in him. See, God wants us to be at rest in him so that all of our functioning, all of our activity, all of our ministry and service and living of our life is functioning out of resting in him. And even when we might have to fight a battle, a prolonged battle in our life, we're doing it out of resting in him. Are we at rest today in our God? Are we moving to the voice of God? Are we allowing 
the voice of God and the word of God to carry greatest weight and influence over our lives and in our lives? Do we even hear the voice of God? Are we willing to fight for all that God has for us? These are the things that Joshua chapter 11 teach us and remind us of. I hope today that more than anything else, you will keep moving and never quit. That when you feel like quitting, you just, you just pray, God, I'm honest, I feel like quitting right now but I know that you can infuse me with your strength, your stamina, your endurance to help me keep going on those days and in those seasons when I feel like giving up and quitting. Because I know, God, that if I hang in there and just keep fighting for all that you have for me, I will be brought into a place of resting in you and everything then that I do in my life, every function, every activity will be coming out of me resting in you. And there's no better place for a believer to be than there. That's where God wants all of us to be. That's the goal. That's the goal. But in order to get there, we've got to first begin to hear the voice of God and then move to the voice of God. Even in overwhelming even as they faced overwhelming odds. All they needed was the assurance of God's presence, and they surged into battle. All you and I need, even in the face of overwhelming odds, is the assurance of God's presence. Would you stand with me? And let's pray as our worship team comes this morning. Lord, I pray today that your people, God, have heard you through our worship and through your word. But Lord, I pray not only that we have heard you, but that we've heard you clearly and that, God, we've heard you confidently and that, Lord, by hearing you, Give us the faith now to move out courageously and confidently to keep fighting for all that you want to give to your people. Lord, I know that you have greater days ahead for our church, but God, we've got to be willing to do it your way. And we've got to be willing to fight for it. And so, Lord, I just pray that we will continue to choose to partner with you. And God, I know that you have a plan and purpose for every person here, those who are watching us from their homes, those who are here in this auditorium this morning. God, you've got a plan and a purpose. You have goals in mind. But God, we've got to hear you, and then we've got to move to you. And even in the face of such overwhelming odds at times, God, all we need as your people is to know you're with us. So God, may we sense that today in a real strong way. And may you continue to just build up your people so that we can face whatever comes our way, God, in victory and triumph. These things we pray in Jesus' name.